0: and data and analytics. So if you were looking to upskill yourself or your team for just two and a half hours each week and get access to a network with our industry's giants through our live sessions, do check out the School of Marketing website for more deets. All righty, for now, enjoy the show. Well, hello,
1: everybody, and welcome back to the Places Will Go show. Another stellar guest for you this week, Becky Brock. Welcome, Becky, uh, who's Commercial and Customer Director at Costa Coffee. Welcome, Becky.
2: Morning, it's brilliant to be here. Thanks, guys.
1: Very good. Well, um, I know Becky reasonably well because we both sit on the Marketing Society board. But for those of you who don't know uh, Becky so well, let me give you a bit of an intro. So, yes, Customer and Commercial Director at Costa Coffee, big job. Lots been going on at Costa Coffee. We'll get into that. I um, most notably, I, or recently I noticed M&S Food in Costa Coffee yeah. uh, that caught my eye. I have to say. So we'll, we'll get into a bit of that. But also, what a pedigree before that, uh, Marketing Director at John Lewis, no less. And then you have worked for a few companies where people may not know the brands, but they're big, big companies. So you worked Outdoor on Cycle Concepts, which of course has Snow and Rock, Home Retail Group, which is aka Homebase, and then the Edrington Group, which is for Famous grass. And I've heard you talk about the joy of working in the alcohol industry. So we will maybe get a bit of that as well. And then you were a Unilever grad trainee. I think it's the UCMDS. My best man was on that, actually. I probably... <laughs> a long time before before you were. And, and I noticed you worked on Pot Noodle. I want to know if you worked on the uh, the animals ad back in the day. <laughs> but, but in and around all of that, uh, Becky sits on the marketing, is a Marketing Academy Fellow and also sits on the alumni Council. Um, and is on the Marketing Society board, as I said was Young Marketer of the Year, to Marketing Society Young Marketer of the Year a few years ago, and also just recently nominated for Marketing Leader of the Year. Um, Somebody must have been very good to put you to that. And also, a few years ago, was in Management Today's 35 Women Under 35. So, um, great pedigree. What I know of Becky from being on the Marketing Society board is a very interesting combination of high energy and bigger picture thinking, which don't always come together, um perhaps different parts of the brain so um, brilliant to have you on becky and i'm sure it would be great for everybody to hear your insights along the way
2: brilliant.
0: well hey well welcome good morning becky
1: um
0: becky look we were just talking a little bit before we started hit the record button but look tell us how you are and how you doing
2: yeah i'm good it's like rocking and rolling through uh you know curveball after curveball with covid inflation uh, cost of living crisis it's <laughs> it's um one of those i think we're all finding one of those moments in the career where you know everything is coalescing um and yet nothing nothing is expected and you're having to draw really really deep on your experience and instincts to kind of navigate it through but you know i've got an amazing team amazing you know brand and you kind of you just have to get on with it and you have to say right what let's make some big plays
0: when you when you just said that, by the way, I just thought of the phrase cost of coffee, you know, cost of coffee going up or whatever. There we go. That's my that's <laughs> yeah, my cheesiness. Headline
2: or two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can imagine. So that immediately, um, you know, these tough times, world's gone crazy, um, hard times, time for resilience. And then you immediately say, well, so we've got to rise up and make the big plays. So there's, there's, you've got a very optimistic mindset, a very proactive mindset. Um, so just tell us a little bit how that sort of manifests when people around you and your team are going to be struggling. So how how are you kind of leading through that? I
2: think, the, I think you know, as a leader, you've got to be really clear, you know, you've got to be really conscious that people are looking to you and they t- take their uh, cue from how you are acting. So for me, I think what I can bring in a matter-of-fact way is I have to bring clarity. I have to bring, you know, see the biggest picture I can And be utterly clear on what the problem is, what the challenge, what we need to do, what questions we need to answer, to you know really uh, positively grow and engage and find a find a way through, Um, and just keep people focused. So that's quite kind of matter of fact. And then I, you know, I'm a big believer. You said at the start, uh, I'm a big believer in glass half full, positivity. um, Actually, keep making sure you keep laughing through it, keep smiling. Because I think it's when people feel the pressure, feel the stress. Um, you know, you're not going to get the best out of those around you, you're not going to, you know, your teams aren't going to excel. So my job is to kind of still make it uh, utterly focused, but make people feel that it's anything's possible, and that it's still fun. Um, and I know that's, it sounds, sounds quite simplistic, but I kind of take that to whatever situation on you know we're having to face because i think as a marketeer um there isn't nothing's routine especially when you work in retail nothing is routine so you're always having to improvise you're always having to react you're always having to anticipate so i think it's the kind of attitude you bring um that really kind of can set set you and your team apart
0: I love, I love that, that thinking. Um, So Becky, tell me, so obviously, you know, we can talk about all the doom and gloom that's going on around us, but let's, let's put that, let's turn that on its head for a second and, and perhaps give us a perspective on what are some of the positive things that you are seeing coming out through this and, and how you're kind of helping to navigate with more positive sort of way forward.
2: I think you've got to be, you've got to be super, super clear on what your brand is there to do and the role it plays in consumers' lives so actually, for me, it's getting back to basics. It's getting back to brilliant insights. It's getting back to doing fewer things. It's about actually um, saying, iterating is not going to be good enough. You have to really take some bold moves. And that actually can be really scary. And sometimes you're kind of having to take a deep breath in and saying it might work, it might not work. But you could, you know, brands that just kind of uh, are small and don't disrupt are going to get forgotten are going to like lose their relevance so for me big big bold moves absolutely. and I think that as a marketer that's fun isn't it it's scary but it's fun absolutely
1: yeah and um, so we've you know big plays bold moves there, there's an ambition that burns inside you yeah um, I, I, I want to go way back and where do you think that ambition comes from
2: um I think it, I think it's always been there. I think day dot, I I uh, I want I once tried to take a step a step to one side and go. Could I just be happy just being in life and uh, for a year or two? And I discovered that that it it just isn't part of my nature. There is something deep inside of me that always wants to be improving, always wants to be learning, um, wants to be trying new things, and. Um, Yeah, I think you've got to embrace it. You kind of got to be yourself and you've got to say that's that. How do I harness that? You know, what I've had to learn through my career is that kind of ambition. I have to balance with making sure I manage my energy. Um, I've got to be careful uh, not to drive my team so hard that they break. So there's always a yin to the yang. Um, But you know, it's definitely something where I would, you know, it's been, in, it's innate in me. But then when I joined Unilever, um, I think the thing that I was lucky, maybe, is I found a career that I just love. So for me, going to work isn't work. It's, you know, intellectually stimulating, you get the joy of developing people you know as a marketer you can roam across all parts of the business and I I have um, and I love that so you know I also think of myself as incredibly lucky
0: wow and and, and certainly as what an amazing starting point to, to forge uh, an incredible marketing career I mean at that juncture when you were thinking about it were you clear that you wanted to be a marketer or did you sort of stumble into it or what, what was the story behind that
2: um probably a bit of stumbling into it it sounded good I'd you know (laughs) I'd worked I'd I'd uh I'd always worked in you know kind of shops and retail and always kind of um thinking about oh how can we sell more what what, you know how do I tailor my this this, you know who's coming in what makes them tick and how what kind of products do they want to you know would they be interested in how can I persuade them to buy it so I think I was always thinking about that but I think for me what I Um, I did art today level which was a bit random at at the time. So there's always a creativity side. But I also love the fact that marketing links creativity with commerciality and data. And then the bit that is just eternally fascinating is what makes people tick, what's going on, you know, and from the kind of macro to the personal. Um, And so... Yeah, apply, applied for you know, a couple of marketing roles, was very lucky to get on the marketing on the uh, UCMDS scheme at Unilever and then just flew. But yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't say that I exactly could tell you what marketing was before I joined Unilever exactly. So there was a bit of luck there.
1: Yeah, we, we've had a few guests talk about luck and it seems like all loads of really successful people talk about it, but actually in the end, you earn, you earn your luck. You said, you said there um, and you flew um what what do you mean by that so what what was what was Becky back in the zone back in the day what was that what did that look like
2: um I think at Unilever I think what they were brilliant they are brilliant at is developing you as a leader so I think the the real blessing I had in my career was literally from the age of 21 um you were taught you were taught about leadership, and as there is some science and some th- you know some mechanical intellectual concepts, but they also really worked hard. Um, and it was actually Andy Bird, you know, way back when when he was at Unilever, for you to understand what who you were as a leader, what your strengths were, what your you know at the time the the, the phrase was limiting beliefs. What were you on a good day? What were you on a bad day? And actually having that from 21 and really understanding what makes you tick and what makes you bring the best out of others um, was kind of the, it clicked quickly for me. And then for me, that leadership through has always been something that I've just loved. I love leading teams. I love developing those around. I love being the person, you know, the person who is like, right, we're going to get on with this now. You know, we're going to be the, you know, the people who's going to get our hands dirty and we're going to make something happen. So I think that unlock at the age of 21 um, really just kind of accelerated me. What a
0: what a lovely sort of moment in time to, I guess, in some senses have that sort of epiphany moments around, you know, learning about yourself and who you are and your leadership style. But I'm, I'm really intrigued when you use the term limiting beliefs, because I know we all have them. So let, let's explore that a little bit. I mean, what were or perhaps maybe still are some of your limiting beliefs?
2: That's a great question. And um, so way back when it was complete lack of confidence. So, Mark, you you picked up on it. It was, you know, I would say I was lucky. I was you know, just in the right place at the right time, you know, um, and you and it was like I, I, you know, kind of didn't believe in my in what I could do and the power that I could bring to a situation and the agency maybe. Um, so over time, I've developed that, but still to this day, even now, I need others to have belief in me. You know, so I need a boss who is going, yeah, we think we, you know, we're we we think you're brilliant, and you know, I couldn't want anybody else in this role. I still kind of need that. And it's funny, you know, deep, deep down, you know, you can have all the self-talk, you know, it's, you know, it's irrational, et cetera, et cetera. But you, I do need to, to feel valued. So it's funny how it's still there 20 years later. Amazing.
0: I wonder if it ever goes away.
2: Yeah, probably not, actually. You just learned you just learned to know that it's, <laughs> it's what your self-talk is rather than what everybody else's is. For
1: sure. It's, it's a topic for another day, but a um, coach I had way back when um, helped me to understand that, that it, imposter syndrome is sort of part of our evolution of biology and there's reasons for it. Uh, and, and then the good news is that apart from narcissists and sociopaths, everybody has it. So you're not, you're not alone in, in that regard at all. Um, you, you clearly have a love of marketing as a discipline. But your, your role is much broader than that now. And it r- raises a few questions, but the one I'll, I'll, I'll go for is, you know, do, do you see yourself staying in marketing or do you consider yourself, do you want to broaden out more over time, become more generalist? It's, it's a bit of a fork in the road decision at some point for most senior marketers.
2: Yeah, and I think I'm exactly at that fork in the road. Um, so it's a great question. Um, one of the things that has characterised my career And I've actually done it quite deliberately, um, has been I've always done left field roles. I've done commercial roles, uh, both in the UK and globally. Um, At John Lewis, I uh, spent 18 months reporting into the um, CIO, running one of the biggest technology uh, projects, programs of work in the business. Um, I've worked across different sectors. I've worked luxury retail, FNCG, and so I think I'm somebody who, I like learning new things, I like that, the challenge, I like testing myself, because I think when I test myself, uh, I get better, you know, you learn new skills, it can be quite scary at times, but you, you do learn, um, and I've found it intellectually challenging, actually, uh, but then you realise that sometimes if you don't know, you know, what at the time What I was leading a team of about 100 IT experts. What, you know, I am not, they know vastly more than I do, but then what you lean back on is the leadership, the bigger picture, the clarity of questions, the clarity of what we're trying to achieve. And so to then go to this point, that was one of the reasons I left John Lewis as a great role as marketing director. But for me, I wanted to put in play, um, you know, opening up potentially to, to go into a GM or an MD, eventually an MD route. So going into the costa role and having, you know, still all the customer side, but having the commercial as well. Um, it has been brilliant, you know, challenging, but you know, you're learning so much. Do I know where, what my next move is, whether, cause this is like, this is like the kind of launch pad and I could go either way now. And I don't know, Mark. And I think I'm just going to let it play out you know, over the next couple of years and then see, um, you know, see where I go. I could always go back into the kind of, C, you know, classic CMO roles, but I do find that broader business challenge um really stimulating and I'm, and I'm developing through it.
0: Becky, what a great amount and range of experience. I mean, you know, across so many verticals, uh, areas, geographies, the like, it seems like to me, a lot of people, who are certainly at the start and maybe middle parts of their career feel quite stifled having spent maybe a bit of time in a specific industry and find it quite difficult to break out into different areas like you have. And I just wondered if there's any sort of advice, guidance, or maybe some uh, sort of tips or tools about how you were able to navigate across those different verticals and geographies.
2: Yeah. And it's true because you do get pigeon, you get pigeonholed and you get pigeonholed by headhunters and, you know, people who read your CV Um. And it's not, you know, it's not easy. I remember trying to get, you know, kind of moving from uh, FMCG. And everybody was like, oh, it's, you know, it's really slow. I like, can you cope with a fast-paced environment? You know, you, th- you think, I- I'm sure I can. <laughs> um, but f- for me, it is, you've got to be really clear on what you bring. You know, you are selling yourselves. You know, what's the value you bring? What's the different perspective um, that you would bring to, you know a different sector or geography etc and then I think it's doing your homework it's really kind of knowing the questions that people might say might have questions about you and really proactively saying well this is what I would bring this and also honestly this is what I don't know but this is my mindset you know I love to learn I'm you know these are examples of when I've been at you know when I've been in a left field project or I haven't you know necessarily had the the technical skills and this is how I Approached it, so and then it's just been really persistent with headhunters. You know, they want to put you in a box, and you've just got to resist it. And eventually, eventually, somebody you know will say a headhunter. You know, will be like, "No, I can see the value," and also somebody will say, "You know what? I really value a different perspective, so I want you in."
1: Yes, love it. On just on the topic of headhunters, so for many people. Who, are, who listen to this, they'll be a bit more junior and therefore you know, link, LinkedIn or direct or you know, job ads or whatever. Yeah. Um, but of course, at some point in time, there's a flip and it becomes headhunter game. So um, we've never talked about this on the show, but so you'd be the first, you're the first to mention it, but t- tell us what you know of that, that world of headhunters and how yeah. the whole system works and has worked for you.
2: Yeah, and actually I, I, there was a moment, there was a moment when I was leaving home base and I suddenly realised I didn't know a single headhunter. I hadn't invested any time and it was a bit of a black hole. So I remember the kind of almost the, the fear of like, well, what, how does one, what does one do here? Um, and I have to say I had um, uh, a mentor, Jo Kenrick, who she opened up the world. She, you know, opened doors and, you know, kind of got me, got me connections. Um, for me, you, ha- you invest time in it great head, headhunters are with you for your whole career and actually they're there to fit the you to great roles and then roles to great people you know who you know so they they, they want to understand you um and you've but you have to invest time um and I've got probably five five to seven who I you know, speak to every six months if a headhunter calls me I'll always take it not not necessarily you know I'll, I'll always be honest and say I'm not looking but let me um see if I can recommend somebody in my network so it is um it is something you've got to nurture and then actually they're great um they're great sounding boards when you're a bit confused you're not sure you want to understand what you know you want to just Somebody to give you an external perspective, and so I'll just phone them up sometimes just for a chat. And ditto, they'll phone me up if they're kind of going, well, "What's go-, You know, what's the mood? What's you know, what are you seeing in the industry?" Um, so it's something that you kind of probably about I would say eight years in, you suddenly have this wake up moment. <laughs> you know, find a mentor who has the connections. They will, they will ease you in, and then nurture them. Well, guys,
0: I've got to say, I mean, I've, I've never thought about it like this at all. So you're totally opening my mind um, with this whole conversation here. I guess what what um, springs to my mind is, is what then is the role of a wider network in a successful career out with? Because if it is all about the headhunter game at, at different parts of your career and as you get more senior, then what, what is the perspective around just having a great wide network in the industry?
2: So, uh, sanity. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think having, you know, for me, I've got, I've got great friends. Um, and actually they're people who you have really honest conversations with when things aren't going well. They're your cheerleaders. Um, they're people who go, I'm really struggling with this problem. And you know, you can uh, almost crowdsource this amazing collection of minds to help you. You know, so be humble, bring people in. Um, but it's also a group of people who are going through the same things you are or have done. And so, especially when it gets tough, they've got great advice, and it's first-hand advice, and it's where they've had to be really vulnerable, where they've um, struggled, and you learn from that. And it helps, helps give you options, helps crystallise your thinking um but also uh it's it for me having that network it makes me feel I don't know part of something the marketing community is incredible they're incredible people and it is genuinely so inspiring it's one of the reasons like Mark I'm at uh, the non-exec uh at the marketing society which is an incredible organization and you think you look around I always look around at the kind of award ceremonies and you look at the work people are doing and you go oh, I want to do that you know right how how do how do I corral my team how do I motivate and inspire and how do we kind of step forward and I think as a community we can make a big difference I genuinely do in people's lives so yeah being a part of that kind of make, helps make me tick gives me energy.
1: Great advice so with regards to headhunters and having a network, it's. It's heads up, not heads in the sand. See what I did there? Yeah. Anyway, um, so, big plays, bold moves. You're going to have made some screw-ups, I guess, at some point. <laughs> so, and had some big some big wins. So, yeah. you know, you, you, uh, you're you not faint-hearted. So, tell us about some of the things that haven't gone perfectly and, and what you've learned.
2: So, probably, let, let me let me say the first screw-up. Because I think that defined that defines my.
1: as anybody else, by the way, but I just know I can with you because it's like,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you got to own it, haven't you? Um, so back at Unilever, I was probably about 23. It was like one of my first innovation projects. Ragu. We had like these pouches for kids, you know, two portions of vegetables in them. It was, you know, I, and you know, 23. This is this is you excited by this. Uh, I'd just gone on holiday, had come back, was in the car park, walking into the building. I vividly remember it. I'm feeling pretty good about myself, feeling like it was just about to launch. I'd just come back from holiday, a little bit of a, you know, hot step and a jump. And I met one of my team in the car park. She said, have you heard what's happened over the weekend? I said, no. She said, we've got exploding pouches. And not only exploding pouches, uh, but exploding pouches in Tesco's. Which is, if you're going to have exploding pouches, you don't want them in Tesco's. <laughs> and it was in the, where, in the warehouse. Luckily, I should say, it never got to. Uh, no, it never got on sale for consumer. Well And you know, you're kind of looking at your car and you're thinking, I could just run, get in the car, and put my foot down and never come back. Maybe that's that's the best route. But. Look, you kind of that twenty three. That was kind of I think one of those moments where you go right, deep breath. I can. Who am I going to be in this moment? And it, I might not feel like I, I'm 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 good that I'm that confident, and I might not feel like I know what I'm, what's about to happen. But I need to step in. I need to be the leader. I need to step in front of the uh, very agitated commercial and marketing director at the time, and I need to say I'm going to right, leave it with me. I'm going to sort it. I'm going to find out. I'm going to diagnose. We're going to fix it. And we're going to pull this back around and getting the team together. And it was tough and it was going drilling all the way into a manufacturing process, you know, going deep, 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 and then pulling it around getting the relationship back on track. And then, you know, three months later launching, um, you know, and it was a horrible three months because you feel huge personal accountability, and you kind of going home, going, "What did I miss? What could I have done differently through the through the lead up process?" You know, was there some, was there a question I didn't ask, ask? But that that experience of you you have to be the person in the room, you have to be the one who steps in front of the bullet and says, "Right, we're going to do this," and also the belief that you can. Get the right team and you can fix anything, solve anything. And there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And in some of my darkest moments through my career, that stood me really well. What a fantastic you, uh,
1: answer. Sorry, Richie, what a fantastic uh, answer.
0: I was going to echo that. I was going to echo that, Mark. Absolutely. I actually thought that was, that's extremely powerful because quite frankly, standing in the car park at that moment in time, when, when, you know, when the reveal moment happened, it would have been so easy for you to kind of go, hey, that wasn't me, that was manufacturing, right? It would have been so easy if you'd have kind of cast your mind to that area, as opposed to kind of going, you know what? I'm the one in the room and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to sort of be counted on, on this occasion. Um, and I think it takes a lot of gumption to be able to not point fingers and actually be collaborative in that, in that moment in time. So I was going to, I mean, you know, my follow-up would have been, sort of how do you, or where does that come from, that that level of actually, you no, know, I will be accountable, perhaps even in a moment where you feel that it probably wasn't even your fault. Um, how do you kind of marry those sort of duality of feelings up at that moment and sort of move forward with that level of accountability?
2: I think it, for me, it's my belief in team, in the team. And as a team, you you... So, I'll, I'll kind of go for, far to come back to your question. But I, I love leading teams. I love developing people. I love helping people uh, realize they're, you know, do more than they ever thought was possible and see them flourish. But you can only do that if there's utter trust and that they feel you will challenge them hard, but you've absolutely got their backs um and that's just my that's just my belief my mantra and so for me in those situations you know that's you've got people who have done things for the best of intent and so in that situation the worst thing you could do is point fingers the thing as a leader is you step in front and you go I am accountable for this team so I am going to help fix it and you know then you try and protect the team from again, the pressure, the stress, which would make them small, which would make them fearful, which would make them go into silos. And you create an environment where it's like we've got a problem to solve or a challenge. How do we collectively fix it? But that trust is so important. So for me, that's why, you know, I will always kind of step forward.
1: Mm, Yeah. No, what a great philosophy. Um, I can imagine the people in your team are extremely motivated. So let's, so let's turn to Costa. um, And I mean, super exciting times for the business. I mean, obviously it's probably been pretty tough uh through the last couple of years, but tell us about some of the really exciting things that have been going on and not least MS food.
2: I think when you look at Costa, I think what's amazing about the business, and one of the things I'm loving is it's it's got it's really kind of entrepreneurial and scrappy. It used to be owned by Whitbread, and it used to be the kind of little brother to the kind of Premier Inn, etc. So it's got this real scrappiness of let's just go and do stuff and let's do it quickly but then there is a kind of strategy and you know let's be a bit more um let's be bigger picture and you know a bit more coordinated about where we're doing and what we're doing but it's it's a really interesting place but you know we've got I've got an amazing MD Neil Lake who is he's not about small timid it's like right, if we're going to go, we're going to grow, and we're going to make big moves, and we're going to really put, you know, lean in. So for us, through COVID, it has been about keeping our consumers and our baristas safe, doing the right thing for both. Um, And we've really lent into that. But then it's also been about don't retreat, you know, keep going, actually keep going even harder. So really focusing on what we can do that's brilliant, that sets us apart. So we've relaunched the loyalty scheme. We got in three months delivery channels and click and collect off the ground from scratch. We brought in MS because we needed to turbocharge quality of our food. Um, you know, we've continued to innovate in the Express with the technology there. Data, which is one of my particular passion points, bizarrely, is you know, going to be, it's huge for us and how we're applying, you know, um, analytics to make what our choices smarter ones. So we're just really leaning in on all fronts. And there, I've got an amazing um, exec around who are all brilliant in their own rights. Um, and it's just that confidence of a team of keep moving forward, keep making positive plays.
0: Like, yeah, so honestly, I, I'm feeling this energy. I really am, and, and it's getting me getting me excited. I mean, more so because I do, do, do really like Costa Coffee um, and and the product that you guys have, and the, the bold string of M S onto it is extra special. It's close to my office, so I I, I frequent regularly. <laughs> um, I wanna I want to uh, talk a little bit about you. You use the term scrappy, and you know yin and yang around the term, right? Um, but I'd love to just hear a little bit more about that, perhaps some of the benefits that you see of having scrappiness as part of your engagement plan, of course, there's bigger elements as well. But what what does that bring that extra source that scrappiness brings to a business?
2: I think it brings a realness. Because you can sit in at the start of a year, and you've got three year plans, you know, it's all carefully mapped out, it's all beautiful, it's, you know, somebody who's uh, much better at visualizing on PowerPoint has made it look amazing you know it's a bit of a work of art but we all know that you know in in marketing commercial roles nothing ever goes to plan the market's always changing (laughs) there's always a curveball you haven't anticipated um and actually I think part of some of this is still being clear on where you're going you know I always think about it's what's the train tracks you're laying down the really big things um but then it's this um You've got to react. You've got to anticipate. Sometimes it's a reaction because there's, you know, who would have thought last year inflation would be at 12%. You know, yep. honestly, that's double what, what I anticipated. So you have to react and you've got to be kind of humble enough to say, right, what are we going to, what are we going to keep? And then where do we just need to reprioritize? And actually sometimes you just got to put things down and then, pivot and pivot quickly and I think that's where the scrappiness comes in and actually sometimes in that scrappiness sparks of magic happen (laughs) or um you get you land something and it just has an unexpected unexpectedly positive reaction and then that creates a new train track that you never knew before so I think the best teams have that blend of expertise in you know in the people of you can do the strategy, you can do the, you know, the kind of uh, higher level, bigger picture thinking, but also that ability to pivot quickly and then lean in and deliver at pace. Um, and I've got genuinely, I've got an absolutely phenomenal senior leadership team who who, can, who have shown over the last two years that they can do that, wow. um, you know, and I'm very grateful to them.
1: On, on the topic of, uh, of team... Um, and again, this, this is going to be great advice for people who are sort of trying trying to get on in the industry. What what do you hire for? What do you look for in people that you want to bring into your team?
2: Um, so clearly, that this, clearly the skill set goes, um, you know, is is there, you know, fine. Well, I, I suppose because it's the bias because I've moved, I've moved uh, sectors. I've done global, local. European roles I've kind of uh, done different um, I've had very different experiences I quite like bringing in different perspectives so sometimes you need people who are absolute sector experts you know my commercial director who works for me she is an absolute sector expert in uh, food and beverage because I haven't done it you know I haven't done a quick service environment so I need somebody who can complement me but then other times you want you want people who are bringing a different perspective in And then I think I look for attitude. Um, I look for someone who um, is curious. Curiosity is a big thing for me um, because I think it kind of shows an open-mindedness. I look for someone who um, wants to develop themselves because I think if somebody wants to develop, you can always bring the best out because they'll be hungry for uh, feedback. They'll be hungry for new experiences. and I love that. I just love that attitude. And then you, in the sectors I'm in, I look for resilience. You know, it's not easy in retail. It's brilliant. I love it. You get, you get It's, it's a, for adrenaline junkies basically. Um, but it's not easy. So you need somebody who can, um, you know, who embraces that and actually thrives in that environment. So I'd say, I'd say those, those are the three things.
0: Some, some wonderful things for people to, to think about. Um... We're coming to the end of the segment. I can't believe it. It's literally flown by in a flash, Becky. But maybe, maybe the the penultimate question. Then, um, I'd love just to get a sense of perhaps the advice you would give to your younger self. What would be some of the things that you would you would suggest?
2: Uh, I think well, that's a great question. I think understand early what your motivation is. What do you love? What what? brings the best out of you what what are you there to, to bring and what brings the best out of you because I think then you can diagnose quite quickly why you're happy or unhappy in a particular situation and it helps make you it helps you make better career choices on the roles and the context you go for um I would say relax <laughs> don't worry not <laughs> you know uh, and I think, you know, career is not a straight line. I think when you start off, you think, OK, I want to go from junior brand manager to brand manager and, and up. And actually, it's not. It's not about the titles. It's about the experiences. And I've kind of learned that along the way of say yes to things that are left field, you know, going and being commercial director of Canada for <laughs> um, uh, for the whiskey company was a little bit left field, going to work for the CIO and you know, running an IT project was left field, but you become, you learn and you become better. And actually you develop a uniqueness, a unique skill set that helps you, that helps you stand apart. Um, get great mentors. I can literally, I could literally name people who have mentored me through and I'm still in touch with, and I'm so grateful for, because they're your absolute rock. And I would say it's not about you. It's about bringing the best out of the team around you. And that's where you should spend a load of time and energy, making people around you brilliant and creating a fantastic environment.
1: That'd be good advice for, for anybody. Um, but I, I suspect you've acted on nearly all of those things along the way. Um, so we, last question. Gosh, it has absolutely flown by. Um, we've occasionally asked people, what do we, what do they want their legacy to be? And, and a couple of them have reminded us. Well, I'm like I'm only halfway done, so don't be. Able to... <laughs> I'll I'll reframe it. So so sort of, you know what what's what's still to do? Tapping back into that ambition. What what's still to do to 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 get the best out of you?
2: I think for me it is. I want to see where my potential can. I want to see where my ceiling is on what I what I can affect. Um. It's a great question, actually. I think it's that. I don't, I actually don't, so on the what, I don't know where I'm going to go. And I'm actually okay with that. What I know is that I want to make a difference. So I think that's what drive. that's fundamentally what drives me is making a positive difference, both for a business and so kind of a bit more tangibly, the what, but also then leaving, you know, helping others to flourish I get so much satisfaction out of seeing people who are who have worked for me you know kind of flying their careers um so I think what what's still to come is where can I make the biggest difference where can I bring all my skill set and help transform a business and what that looks like what the end result is I don't know It's probably just a set of circumstances that I will continue to look for and continue to embrace. But I want to, I want to be, I suppose for me, I want to be remembered on leaving things that may, that have made a positive um, turning fork in the road. And, you know, you're never going to be remembered for hitting, you know, at your funeral, you're never going to be remembered for hitting your numbers. What you're going to be remembered for is by people who you've played a small part in helping them along the way. I think that's fundamentally what gets you out of bed.
0: Absolutely. And what a, what a brilliant note to close the session on. It's just to say a massive, massive, thank you this morning. It's just been absolutely brilliant. Becky, honestly, I mean, the the, the level of insight that you've shared with us has, has really been absolutely superb. I, I'm going to try and do a little bit of a, a summer, a summary of what I've taken away um, and then and hand over to Mark for some of his, his, his key takeaways. Um, and where do I start? I think, I think the, The the term you just used about, um, you know, the, the word around ceiling, it feels very apparent to me that it almost feels like there isn't one when it comes to you, Becky, you know, from the very start, you know, you've you've had that level of ambition that positivity you've seen that you know glass half full kind of momentum and attitude that you bring with you and then i'm sure everything that you do and i think to that extent you know sky's the limit I and mean, how where where would you stop and and i think with the right intent and you know to have that in spades it feels it feels like it just you know bring people along with you and the team seems so critically important to you as well um which is at the heart of what everything seems like you're doing um there's you know you talked about the fact there's no routines in marketing i love that you know it's constant you know you know, there's, there's, there's part strategy, but actually part reactiveness, um, and I think that's so true. Um, at the height of um, all the doom and gloom, the, the positive thing that you, you took away or the thing that you, you suggested was about clarity. Um, you know, Really be clear about what your brand is there to do and what role that you have in your consumers' lives. I think that's great advice. Um, certainly, at this moment in time, if not, you know even in good times. Um, iteration is not good enough. I, that was again, you know a, a take of the ambition, big, bold moves. And you've clearly been making those swift moves at costa in, in so many different ways. Um, you know your love for marketing, stemming from the likes of creativity, commerciality, and data. Um, you 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 talked about limiting beliefs and you know really appreciate the the, the candor you brought to that around your level of confidence although it doesn't show you've obviously been able to hide it well these days uh, and and you know the 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 thinking around always being entrepreneurial you've landed in a spot where you know you're in a company that feels that it's entrepreneurial that it's got that Great blend of, um, of of I said you know um, strategy and and scrappiness. I never used that term before in in, in that dual dual way, but it seems very fitting. Um, and the last thing I would just I would talk to is the train tracks. That was a lovely way to talk about you know, laying the train tracks in the one sense, uh, but then being reactive in the moment, which then sp- it then creates sparkles of magic, which then lays down other train tracks in different directions, which you never known may be possible in the first place. So I, I love that, that constant sort of, you know, movement forward, which takes you into areas that you may not have envisaged. So with that, just a massive thank you from me, Becky. It's been awesome. I'll pass over to Mark for some of his closing remarks.
1: Thanks, Richie. Uh, and thank you, Becky. Yeah. Um, it was that was sharp, that was so rich, actually. Um, you know, we're not allowed to have favorites or anything like that, but that was really, really powerful. Uh, right at the beginning, I mean, we quickly moved off, but you really captured what I think is true, which is in tough times, the role of a leader is quite simple it's to provide clarity and energy. Yeah, um, and you captured that really well. Uh, the ambition is infectious. Uh, your your desire to try new things like the it project going to canada moving sectors uh, wanting to expand your role wanting to learn superb i mean how inspiring um exploding pouches <laughs> stepping, in, stepping in and stepping up uh your, your belief in team and it came through so many times in terms of your desire to grow grow brilliant teams um And uh, yeah, Richie mentioned the magic thing, but you use use really lovely words around explaining things, explaining some important concepts. Um, You want to make a difference. I think you have. I think you will. I go all the way back to my intro, which is Becky. I think you bring huge energy, but in combination with really big thinking, Uh, and you you still know how to laugh even under pressure. And that and there's a there's a joyousness in that. Um, So I'd just say a huge thank you. I think that was tremendous. Thank you, Becky.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's flown by and I've really enjoyed it. So thank you guys.